I'm trying to do our opening song. <laughs> you nailed it. Very good job. Did I? All right, thank you. <laughs> I can hear it in my head. <laughs> this is Father Joseph Gill, and welcome to Restless. I'm here with Lauren, Carmelina, and Joe, as together we seek to know why we are Catholic. And today we're going to do something a little bit different. I'm going to quiz you all. So a lot of times I get asked, like a lot of little like, details, like, why do Catholics do this? Why do Catholics do that? Why do Catholics worship Mary? Oh, we don't, by the way. Why do Catholics <laughs> call their priest father? Why do Catholics, uh, are Catholics allowed to get tattoos? These great questions that I'm going to ask you if you know the answer. You'll tell us the right answer eventually though, right? Yes. Yeah. Right. Once you squirm for a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. No, you guys got this. I'm excited. We got, uh, we got about 10 different questions I want to hear your thoughts on. So... First of all, yeah, let's start right off. Why do Catholics call priests father? Because Jesus says in the Bible, call no man on earth your father. And this is a big one. You know, what, why do people, why do we call a priest father? So I don't know the historical origins of that, but I do know that unless you also don't call your own father father, that's obviously not what the gospel verse means. Touche. Um, I mean, I would assume that um, it has something to do with probably spiritual authority and that the father is the head of the household and to some extent then the priest is like the father we head of like a parochial family am i anywhere near the right answer sounds good to me yeah i agree <laughs> it's carmelita's contribution <laughs> no isn't it isn't that. it also just because you are our spiritual father um yeah yes does it come at all from um the tradition of like priests being referred to as elders and acts of the apostles and stuff like that and in some of the epistles like is, is there like a, a, a sort of um uh, what's the word i'm looking for now um an uh, uh, etymological connection between father and elder? Uh, not really. Okay. Presbyteros in right. uh, in that Greek. doesn't mean it doesn't mean the, it means elders. Means yeah, elders. and yeah, okay. and it would be pater. Right. In, okay. In right. Greek. But yeah, both of you are dead on because what a priest does in the spiritual life, a physical father does in the physical life. You know, father gives, well, not doesn't give birth, but <laughs> father brings forth life, and. It, priest does that in baptism, you know, father corrects his children, the priest does that in confession and teaches his children. We do that for preaching and feeds his children. So yeah, absolutely. We are in the spiritual realm. So Jesus, did you, you say Jesus didn't mean that exactly? Well, so what did Jesus mean when he said, why do, don't call man, no, any man on earth your father? I don't know what he did mean. I just know that it clearly can't be that. Because, didn't he also say, don't call no man teacher? Right. Okay. Well, how many, how many Protestants don't call t- people teacher? I mean, it's just instructor. <laughs> it's just like, yeah. I, I don't know, but um, does it mean that like Jesus is our father and our teacher? God. Bingo. That even priests only participate in the one priesthood of Christ. Exactly. We have one God and that is father. Yeah. Nice. All right. Next one. You ready? This one's for you, Carmelina. Oh, why do we make the sign of the cross? Or like another, uh, yeah, I'll ask this one first. Yeah, why do, you make the, why do we make the sign of the cross? It's just a form of self-blessing. I okay. forget the origins. I think I've read it. Okay, go Joe. Go Joe. <laughs> do you know it? Go ahead. Um, well, I was going to say it's a renewal of our baptism. Yeah. Baptismal rite, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> and my other thing to add is, um, you know, we have Christ in us now, right? We take him in through the Eucharist and Christ lives in us. The Holy Spirit is in us. And then when we die in heaven, we will be in God. Mm-hmm. And so it's like 
we're kind of prepping ourselves for that here by blessing us, blessing ourselves now. That's a nice thought. Never thought about that. That's beautiful. I was going to um, say that as an invocation of our baptismal vows and all that. Yeah. And so blessing, I like that too, because you, I mean, you are sort of you are a a a, a kingdom priest, and so you have some spiritual authority over yourself, presumably. Right. right. <clears throat> yeah, and too, of course, like the cross being the sign of our salvation, we're putting the cross on our bodies in that sense. So here's what a lot of people, even a lot of Catholics don't understand. Like, what is the triple sign of the cross at the gospel? You know, you do one on your forehead, your lips, and your, your heart. What's that all about? Isn't it like something like, may the word of God be on my mind, on my lips, and in my heart, or something to that effect? Yes, you got it. Yeah. That's like a purification thing, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Joe and I knew this kid named Peter Irofino, who uh, used to also add a fourth one on his shoulder. He said, may God also be in my actions. Interesting. Can you just do that? No. I <laughs> think so. <laughs> sounds, like, sounds like Peter. <laughs> but, oh, that was a nice symbol. What <laughs> happens if you make the reverse sign of the cross? Then you're, then you're orthodox. Interesting. Because they do it backwards. Okay. Yeah. Now, can you make it with your left hand? I was just about to ask that. Can you? I don't think so, no. I struggle because sometimes I'm carrying something in my right hand. <laughs> my, dad's a, my dad's a lefty. So oh, he said that his, my grandfather used to yell at him when he would see him make the sign of the cross with his left hand. He was like, but I'm, that's my dominant hand. So I don't know. Can you? Well, you're Italian. What is, what is the Italian word for left? I'm not that kind of Italian. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> sinistra, from which we get the word sinister. Left, is, left was always in Latin as sinistra. It was always like left was seen as evil. All right. Works for me. No offense to any lefties. So can you make the sign of the cross with your left hand? Can you? No. You're not supposed to, but if you're carrying something in your right, like if you got a baby in your right hand, mm-hmm. you're like dipping in holy water, then yeah. But you would never see a priest or a bishop give a blessing with their left hand or anything like that. No, unless it's the only hand you have. Mm, that's interesting. You know, if it's your right hand chopped off or something. I was going to ask it, but I... <laughs> no, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just going to ask that. Like if you just had like no hand, what... what... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> What do you do? <laughs> well, that, that means St. Isaac Jogues had to get special permission to say mass even without fingers. Wow. Because the, the Iroquois chewed them off. You know that story? No. Yeah, he, was, he was the great missionary, French missionary to the Iroquois in North America. Well, really to the Huron, who were very peaceful, but he got captured by the Iroquois. And uh, they beat him very badly and uh, ended up chewing off his fingers because he knew they knew that these the fingers, the, your pointer fingers, your middle finger, and your thumb were very sacred because that's what he would hold the sacred host with. And in those wow. days, you couldn't celebrate Mass without those fingers. They were called the canonical digits. And uh, when he finally escaped from the Iroquois and went back to France, the Pope gave him special permission to celebrate it without because he said it's not right for someone who shed their blood for Christ not to be able to drink the blood of Christ mm-hmm. at Mass. Nice. Um, so he came back and um, ended up getting killed by the, the Iroquois. And to gross you out even further, they were so impressed with his courage that they ate his heart after his death. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Eat your heart out, literally. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, moving on. <laughs> so why do we as Catholics have statues and Protestants don't? Isn't that idolatry to pray in front of a statue? It's not um, because we don't worship them. I had one priest describe it as kind of like the Hall of Fame of <laughs> saints who we should be looking up to and mirroring our lives after. They're, everything is a reminder of the life that we should be living. You know, we just talked about a courageous saint, right? Um, and so, yeah, it's, we don't worship them. We don't, yeah, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> Anything to add? Right. I mean, we only worship God and um, 
as Carmelina was saying, you know, a painting or a statue is a reminder, right, of of someone holy to model and an inspiration to us. So I've heard from Protestants many times, why do Catholics worship statues? But I didn't know that they have they don't have statues. They, they don't. They have they none. Don't. They don't they even really have the corpus on the cross, which is like, yeah. how could it be idolatry to worship a statue of your Lord? I mean, so well, it's the replica. Like you should yeah, not but, create. But in their mind, right, it's because first commandment. the yeah. Lord is risen, right? That's why they don't have Corpus Christi, correct? Well, Corpus Christi is about the, the body, Eucharist, um, but the body of Christ. Yeah, they don't have the Corpus. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I I don't know. I haven't been into like many Protestant churches or any. They so. will not. No, they think it's all idolatry. But I think it goes also to a deeper question of, so we have the statues. What are we doing? We're we're praying. Why do you pray? you know, through the intercession of the statues. Well, the rebuttal to that is I would ask Lauren to pray for me. Why not ask someone in heaven to pray for you? That's someone that lived a very holy life. Like, it's just like asking them to pray for you as well. Right. So yeah, who would want, who would you want to pray for you? I I would like someone who lived a very holy life to pray for me, just like I would like father for you to pray for me. So it's, it's like that. You know, even though you could do that without a statue, like I think mm-hmm. this is like Catholicism just gets the incarnation right, right? Like it wasn't the, Jesus wasn't incarnated once, like the the or rather it wasn't like a one time, like there wasn't there isn't one meaning to the incarnation. Is what I mean to say, like Jesus took on human flesh because physical things are are good, and so it's like I think our church like gets that really well that like physical things, physical reminders of things are good. So it's like, can I pray to Blessed Mother? without a statue of her yeah but it's a little convenient to be able to see her right um it's, it's kind of like why facetime is a little more intimate than a phone call in some ways right like we're visual creatures in some ways mm-hmm. yeah and the physical and the physical things can be an avenue of grace yeah absolutely I mean, that's why protestants don't have sacraments and, and they have and they believe that even things like baptism and the lord's supper are just you know yeah. symbolic and not you know not actually giving you grace do you guys have uh, statues of saints in your house in your room i have um uh, a second-class relic of Our Lady of Guadalupe, and we have a oh. lot of. Um, Whoa! What is, what is that? I think it's second class. It touched the original tilma, so oh, I think wow. that makes it second class. And it's a replica of the original. Okay. And it's right in our living room. Nice. Yeah, we have we have the Pieta, like a little mini one, and yeah, that's, that's awesome. That's my favorite statue ever. And there, so my there was always one in my grandpa's house. And I remember as a very little kid, I would sit on my grandpa's lap and just like ask him to like take it down from the shelf. So he'd hold it, um, you know, and just stare at it. And then I found out my mom actually gave that to my grandpa um, as a gift. I think when they came back from their honeymoon from Italy Mm. and then my grandpa sold his house and he's passed away. And so it's back in my parents' house. And I know it's going to be mine one day. (laughs) (laughs) We also have a Moses in my parents' house that my brother Brian loves. So he's going to get Moses. And then we have Mary with the baby Jesus, which I think would go to Johnny once that stuff gets divided up. I think you're breaking up a really good point, Lauren, especially with the Pieta. It's like it's a vessel for meditation and prayer on the life of Christ. Definitely. And the life that, I mean, we should be meditating on his passion and, and suffering. Um, and it's only like, I think the saddest thing for a human to go through is the loss of their own child. Yeah. And just, you know, the way Mary is holding mm. Jesus's body, it's, it's just striking, you know, it's just, yeah. And it just, it does evoke an emotion in you and the sadness in that. I think anybody Catholic, non-Catholic goes to Rome and sees that and just weeps. Mm. How could you not, you know, there's something moving about 
the physical manifestation of the life of Christ, whether or not, you know, you are Catholic. Yeah. I think. Definitely. In uh, St. Mary's in Norwalk, there's a body of Christ yes. laid down, like in the front side of the church. And it's um, it's not like stone. It's like painted, like realistic, like wow. flesh color. And, you know, and it's that is striking. I mean, full size. You know, yeah, it's almost hard to, wounds and everything. yeah, it's yeah. almost hard to look at it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if you ever go to like Mexico, you'll see they do, when they do crucifixes, they show every blood. I mean, he is bloody. Hmm. He is so bloody. Wow. Us Americans sanitize it and you get a little blood coming from the wounds, but right. they're like full body. Yeah. Wow. They're also a reminder that we, that there is a heaven too, and we live with the community of saints that are mm. praying for us and that it's not just the physical around us, but also, you know, there is a heaven and there, there is obviously a hell too. So it's also a reminder of that. That's a beautiful thought. Yeah. Like yeah. That. Surrounded as it says in uh, Hebrews, we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses mm. Yeah, to run the race set before us. Yeah. It remind, I, what made me think of that was one of the, the mother superior of one of the convents that I used to visit frequently every night before she goes to bed, no matter what time it could be super late, she'll walk around to all the statues and just like touch them Mm. and um, just ask for their prayers and spend time with them because she's praying to the saints in the community of heaven. And it's just, it's this, it's like when we consume like the Eucharist, it's like this connection between earth, like heaven and earth. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I only have three relics, and I, well, I should—I I had three relics. One got stolen by a homeless woman, but yeah, it's kind of a funny story. <laughs> funny, funny story of how I even got the relic. I was visiting um, the the actual house of Saint John Vianney in Ars, France, and I was like, "Man, I need a relic." <laughs> so I started like feeling around on like the lintels of the door posts, being like, "Is there any loose wood?" And I found a shard of wood. I was like, "This is it." So I took it, and I think I broke customs by doing that. But <laughs> but so I always kept it in my jacket pocket. And one day this woman came into St. John's Basilica and was begging for money. And I didn't have any money. So I said, I'm sorry, I don't have any money for you. And then I left. And when I came back, she had left her coat there and taken mine instead with the relic in it. Oh, no. So I've lost it forever. But I pray that St. John Vianney will bless that woman. She must have needed his prayers more than me. Yeah. All right. Ready for the next one? Sure. So tell me. A lot of our Protestant brothers and sisters believe that once you pray a certain prayer, you know, Jesus come into my life, then they are saved. Do we as Catholics have an assurance of salvation? Do we know that we're saved? Like, are you set? I'm going to get this wrong. No. But, <laughs> but I mean, okay, but Jesus makes a promise to us at our baptism. Like our, our, bapti- our baptism is salvific. And so, like, do we, are we guaranteed of salvation? Then no. But I have definitely have heard it said that 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 Catholics are saved at their baptism, but you're still have, it's still yours to participate in that salvation and it's still yours to reject and it's still yours to choose. Mm. Is any of that right? That, yeah, that's a, good, that's a good way of looking at it. But you said no and you said no. What do you, Carmelina and Lauren, what do you think? What was the question again? <laughs> <laughs> Can we as Catholics know that we are saved? No, I don't think so. No, because how would we know? I think the catechism says that outright, that we cannot cast judgment on ourselves or others or something like that along the lines of that. Mm. I mean, we could probably have a pretty good inclination, you know, if someone, like if we're actually in a state of mortal sin, rejecting God and like worshiping Satan, like that's probably not, it's probably a pretty good indicator that we're not going to heaven. Um, But at the same time too, like you also hear these stories of people who die and are saved at the last minute by some 
prayer or, or miracle or people who have lived a life, a life of sin and then through the intercession and sacrifices of another uh, make it to heaven. And you hear stories like that as well. But I think the the short answer is no, we cannot. It's not once saved, always saved. And, and we know that. Um, yeah, for sure. I don't think so. Mm. When you were in your Protestant church, did they teach that once saved, Absolutely. always saved? You are reborn. I actually was on the phone with the Protestant probably last week, and she was like, "What are you, what's your family again? They're not like reborn, saved, right? They're just Catholic." And I was like, "Oh, <laughs> just Catholic." Oh, I'm shriveling <laughs> inside Ouch. right now. But this is not the time. <laughs> this is not the time. Yeah, it's once saved, always saved, and that's just not right. It doesn't even make sense though, because you know, if someone decides to do evil after they've given themselves over to Christ. What happens then? That evil doesn't account for anything. Yeah, you'd have to. It doesn't you'd have matter. To be able to believe that somebody who was saved, but then like commits a mass murder, is better off than somebody who's never saved but lived a life like Mother Teresa, right? If you believe, if you believe what the Protestants believe that you're saved by one act, then you have to be willing to accept anything you do after that makes no makes no effect on your has no effect on your salvation on your salvation, right? I don't know. Would Protestants say that though? I think some some. Would they say that you can like go and commit mass murder and still be. Gucci. I think it gets wishy-washy. I think Sorry. that's kind of they where they not get think that far? Up because it's it's right. each each and they don't and it's each church kind of has their own way of going about it anyway. So you won't yeah. you won't really get a consistent answer because there's no doctrine, right? Yeah. So um, I think some might, some might not, but it's totally up to interpretation because they don't live under the umbrella. But of it's the a logical extension of the principle that all you have to do is is one act of salvation and then you're saved. I mean, if that's what you believe, then it is a logical conclusion from that that what you do after that doesn't have an effect right. on your salvation. They won't say that probably because it, it, it's 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 absurd on the, absurd on the face of it. But mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> I, mean. I think they they believe that, but it's strongly discouraged to continue a life of sin. <laughs> right? yeah, that, well, that's good. That's good at least. We highly Please recommend that you yeah, try yeah, yeah. hard to be a good person. I don't know. It, um, I wonder if it's actually even pride, you know, to think that oh, I. I gave myself one, so I'm good. Well, like to really, think yeah. you will never fall, you know? That's fair. Mm-hmm. But the flip side, I think, is also dangerous that I see in a lot of Catholics, and that is that they are constantly worried. What if I, you know, what if I don't get to heaven? You know, what if, I, what if I'm not saved? What if I'm not in the state of grace? You know, what if, what if? No. And that can really paralyze somebody's relationship with Christ. Well, I would say there's two things to that. One, they're maybe not properly catechized, right, to know that if they... You know, go to confession regularly if they live the sacraments, right? You're probably good. I mean, you are good, right? And then um, two, it's that I think uh, the devil getting in there, right? If you have this fear, he'll always play it up. You know, you're not worthy. Oh, you think that you're, you know, God's child, but you're not, right? He can just distort, mm. um, uh, you know, our thoughts and, and everything and, and get us um, in really desolate places. Yeah. So... But back to your other question, um, does this also tie into the whole faith and works debate? Totally. Okay. Where Protestants don't think it's faith and works, correct? Majority would say that, right? It's true. And what's funny is you immediately, like common sense, again, what Joe was saying, it's like if you just use logic, if you have faiths, it's going to manifest itself through works. If you have faith in Jesus, it's going to transform you in some way. The Bible talks about that. So you're most likely not going to be living a life totally apart from God in all ways, right? So it's like if you love, you're probably going to do some sort of act of love. Right. And so and you service. can't. Yeah, exactly. Like service, volunteering. You can't really separate the two. 
when you have faith and when God transform you, it manifests itself into works automatically. Yeah, you want to do good. Well, I think St. James makes a good distinction in his letter when he talks about the difference between living faith and dead faith. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He says, yeah. yeah, faith without works is dead, he says in James mm. 2.24, but he also says, yeah, I mean, like, you can have faith without works. It's just dead. Exactly. It's not alive, you know. And also, again, take it to its logical conclusion. If an act of faith is what's required for salvation, act is half of the phrase. Like, so is that not work? Like, is saying an act of faith not a good work? Like, is it enough just to think it? Like, it's just like push a little bit. You know, push past the, the surface level. It doesn't make any sense, you know? Yeah. But I, th- I think, again, you know, this is why Catholicism, I think, is such a genius because it's always striking the middle between two extremes. Yeah. It's a both and, right? So it's So we're not saved by our works either. And that's something that... Um, drives me crazy about like Jesuit institutions <laughs> because sorry I'm just gonna throw them under the bus right now it's okay but um you know a lot of Jesuit institutions and you know a lot of Catholic schools now are just basically kind of like just you know do service projects and you're a faithful Catholic because that's more important than going to mass having a relationship with Jesus you know it's just as long as you serve as long as you're a good person you know you go to heaven so we have to contradict that and say no we're not saved by our works either no. we're saved by our faith living through our works both and. Exactly. And what's interesting is, you know, oftentimes Protestants will use the one saved, always saved by, I think it's first Timothy where it's like, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Romans 10, nine, Romans 10, nine. Yeah. But what's interesting, it's like when you confess with your mouth, that's an action. Right. And if that's what makes you saved, that's faith and action in the same verse. Is it not? So it's right there. Again, push past the surface. doesn't make any sense once you do. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's it. That's interesting. That's that's a big debate, absolutely. And I think it's important to to strike that balance between faith and works, and between um, between knowing that we could potentially not be saved, but also having the confidence that God wants us to be saved. Mm-hmm. And I, I, there's a great story from the life of Saint Joan of Arc, who they were trying to trap her in heresy to find out if she can. You know, in the English, when they captured her, they wanted to burn her as a heretic, as a witch. And so they asked her the question. They said, "Are you in the state of grace?" which according to the actual catechism, we can never know with absolute certitude that we are in the state of grace. And, and she didn't know that. I mean, she was you know, fairly an uneducated girl, but she said very wisely, she said, if I am, may God keep me there. And if I am not, may God bring me there. Hmm. Like that's a brilliant answer. Yeah. It's so true. It's so true. And I think, I think one, one way I try to teach young people is that there's, faith is not, a t- you know, our life here on this earth is not a test. It's not like a 50-50 shot, you know, if you do good, you go to heaven, if you do bad. It's really more of an invitation. Like, you're already being invited to spend eternity with God in heaven. He wants this. He's going to do everything possible to get you there. It's up to us. Like, we, it's up to us to lose it. Yeah. We've already got it. It's up to us to lose it. Deacon Eric Keener um, said something really clever, I thought, which was, God's not like sitting in heaven going... That one time you prayed the joyful mysteries, you're a little distracted, cross that off the list. And like, you know, that time you prayed, yeah, but you weren't really charitable, so cross it off the list. Like he's not sitting there going, like, nope, wrong, doesn't doesn't work. Like he loves us. You don't you don't act that officiously with somebody that you love, right? So it's like you said, it's an invitation to a life of grace and not and not strict like, you know, fulfill this ten step program, and you'll go to heaven. Yeah. So a good segue to so our next question is why do Catholics confess their sins to a priest? Because can't you just go straight to God? But you don't know, you, you don't have the assurance of, of forgiveness unless you hear the words. I mean, there's there's just something so powerful about, about hearing the ministry of the church, may God grant you pardon, peace, and I absolve you of your sins in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. 
and not to mention the fact that Jesus literally says, confess your sins to one another, and those who sins you forgive are forgiven, um, who sins you retain are retained. I mean, that's pretty, it's one that, there are lots of sort of like um, passages which you have, to, you have to sort of do this like Talmudic reading to get to Catholic teaching, but like, I don't think this is one of them. Like, it's just, it sort of is just there, isn't it? And it's it's so... Talmudic reading. Yeah, you like nice. that? I like that. I do like that. $5 word right there. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so it's it's there in the gospels, and it just it's just how it's how things work. You don't forgive somebody and then just never, like if I if you were to come off in traffic and I forgive you, that's great. But if I say to you I forgive you, that's so much more powerful. And then now you know you were forgiven, hmm. which you wouldn't be, Father. But I, you know, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> I don't cut people off in traffic. Speed, but I don't cut people off in traffic. Yeah, well, priests act through Jesus. So when we confess to a priest... Other way around, but... Oh, sorry. Jesus yes. acts through priests. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jesus acts through priests. So when we confess to the priests, we're actually confessing um, to Jesus because the church gives priests that authority. Like, God gives that authority to the priests. So um, it's it's really not... It's not the same because you need that, that authority, right? Yeah, yeah. And it's such an opportunity for grace, but... You could never comprehend that if you've never gone to confession to a priest, right? I think I can speak for myself, but I imagine I'm not the only one where there's actually like a physical change in you. You know, you just feel so much lighter and something is lifted and um, things just get better in your life when you start to go to confession regularly. And then not to mention, it can be so humiliating, right? Like <laughs> it's it can be hard to speak the worst things about ourselves out loud and to, to someone else, it's it's quite different to just be like, oh, well, God already knows that I did that. So, yeah, like, I'm sorry. Right? Like, yeah. I mean, how oh, yeah. genuine is it if it's really just between you and God, but to speak it to another person, you know, and um, that that humility is so great for us, right? To be humbled. Yeah. Exactly. Lauren, you mentioned it before, the importance of knowing oneself in order to grow in holiness. And what better way than to go to confession regularly? to continuously examine examine your conscience. You know, in, yep. in part because it's, it's great to say, well, God knows my sins. So, yeah, but do you? Like, have you sat down and thought them through? Because if you haven't, you don't know your sins. I mean, you don't know your own mind if you've never examined it. And like confession is an opportunity to, to do that. And, mm -hmm. and you go, oh, wow, actually, I've sinned more than I thought. Mm. And it's good to sort of go through the process of getting it out there. So then you can confess it to, some, to, another, to another person and be forgiven. Know you're forgiven. Yeah. And also forgiven. prevent it from yeah. happening. Right. Sure. Even even like secular twelve step programs have that as the fourth step, you know, make an honest moral inventory to inventory to God and to another human being, because yeah. they recognize that secrets thrive in the darkness. Yes, when you bring it to the light, bring it to the light. No more secrets, and you start to find the healing. Tough, but it's worth it. Do you know then how do Protestants return that verse that to us is just so concrete and clear? I don't know. I'm going to turn to Carmelina again. <laughs> right. Sorry, which verse? Which which one was that? The well, oh. the um, uh, I think he does say confessor since, or maybe one of one of the epistles. They, James. Yeah. Well, they just five. don't believe in the church's authority. Period. So, I think but when Jesus says, "Who those sins you forgive are forgiven them; who sins you retain, retain, who does he? Retain. Who do you think he's speaking to? Just Peter himself, or like even just Peter himself? You know what I mean? That's a good question. I don't know. I, so I get not believing an apostolic succession or something like that, but he is speaking to somebody. <laughs> I mean, it must be at least one person in history whom he was speaking to, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think it might just be one of those things that's glossed over, and if someone's yeah. serious about it, maybe we should have them on. Yeah, I mean, like for a Q and A. Maybe our future episode will have a Protestant. That would be great. Uh, like get, getting a well formed. Protestant who knows scripture really well. Yeah. Um, I know a few, but they're not around here. Mm. Yeah, we'll have to. That would be really fun. Consider that because it could be some good discussion. Absolutely. Yep. All right, let's do a, a real fun last one. Can Catholics get tattoos? Yes. I'll say yes. 
I think they can, but they sh- probably shouldn't. I don't think there's anything. You're nodding your head no. No, I think you, from what I from what I understand, I don't even think the sort of like popular understanding that there's a sort of uh, um, like Old Testament prohibition against tattoos for Jewish people is right. I don't think that's right at all from what I understand. I, so I think I think they can. Father Mike Schmidt at least thinks he can. Does he have one? He's no, but he's, he's, he's did a video about it. Oh. oh. No. Do any of you have one? No. 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 Oh, okay. Phew. <laughs> I've wanted one, but I, I'm we wrong, I too indecisive. No, I'm just, I'm, no, 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 you're right. I don't think... Uh, uh, but I think that, like... Okay, this is going to sound really judgmental, but like there are mo- <laughs> most tattoos are just are just silly. And you're, your tastes are going to change. You may not like the baseball team forever. Mm. They might stop existing. What about the ones that go my, different... I love my mom? Well, yeah. It's never going to change. I've always thought, like, things that are permanent. <laughs> love so, your mom. So your parents are permanent, your children are permanent, death of a loved one is permanent, everything else in life is not permanent. Yeah, that's true. The Orioles, I may lose hope in them. <laughs> I love it. Bad seasons. For me, it's just that the only people in the ancient world that got tattoos were slaves to show who you belong to. A free man would never get a tattoo. But the official Catholic teaching is that tattoos are allowed as long as, A, they do not disfigure you, or B, they're not of something demonic or sinful. So the people, the men that get like the naked woman tattoo, probably not okay. Hmm. People with like demon, demonic symbol, no, not good. Wow. But if you want to get your name's mom, your mom's name tattooed on your shoulder. And it, I don't know, it is somewhat interesting. I don't know what it means. Tattoos are just more and more and more popular. And yeah. they're spreading more and more and more all over the body. I have at least two siblings with tattoos. I might, I'm not sure if my third, my brother, my youngest brother has one. But Yeah, I'm just always surprised at the gym. Like, oh, there's another person with another tattoo. Like, My brother got, my brother got um, lightsabers tattooed on his fingers so he can have lightsaber battles with himself. No oh. way. Yeah. And my, my uh, cousin, I think it's my cousin, or maybe it is my brother, who has um, a tattoo of something in the language of the Legend of Zelda. Super nerdy. Yeah. Super and I, I feel bad. I, I don't want to sound judgmental, but I, I just, I don't personally understand it, you know, and just why it's, it's so many now, you know, so many tattoos, so much of the body is getting covered up. Yeah. And um, also, I don't know, just practically speaking, like the body's going to age and <laughs> the skin changes yeah. and like. It don't look I, good when you get old. Yeah. That's, it don't I'm look like. Good. It's as if people get tattoos never that? seen an older person with tattoos. It's like, oh, don't yeah. you go out in the world and see them? Like, well, they don't look, they're not, you know. Yeah, World War II vets, you know, yeah. like a little saggy. Yeah. Anyway, on that note, <laughs> let's wrap up. Thanks so much for joining us on this episode of Restless. You can find us on Veritas Catholic Network, now on FM, FM 103.9, and you can always find us on AM 1350. My challenge for you is go and learn your faith, because these questions may pop up every now and then when debates with friends or conversations we got to be deeply grounded and transformed of our mind to know the Lord and know the faith. Stay tuned and for the next Restless episode coming up in a week. God bless you. Bye.